chapter nineteen of natalie page this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org natalie page by catherine haviland taylor chapter nineteen two surprises the week before christmas was packed tight with hurry tired bones fun and for me a short worry and two surprises one of which made my disquiet and the week after held indigestion more tired bones more fun and one surprise and they each held a mysterious happening which no one could explain the second of these being so serious that my stories of hearing things at night were at last taken seriously even the rappings which they had all heard had not made them see that anything out of the ordinary was really happening until the after christmas affair convinced them feeling this i had given up speaking of what occurred to bother me it was like telling of the huge fish you honestly really almost landed and then having the listener say oh yes but i suppose he got away and smile it shut you up it was that way with my affairs after evelyn began to say how many brigands slept on the balcony last night natalie or i heard strange noises at five this morning it might have been the milkman but natalie seems to think it was a thug who came in to steal her flashlight perhaps i would say it was gone and then every one would laugh for of course they thought i had mislaid it and naturally thought so since a real thief is rarely satisfied with one flashlight costing a dollar and forty cents just as i decided to stop assuring them that something was happening it seemed futile to keep up they wouldn't believe me evelyn stopped teasing me i think dr vance is saying i wasn't especially well made that and i was glad to have it ceased it wasn't a joke to me as i said the week before christmas was a hurried time aunt evelyn and amy gave lots of people presents and i helped them wrap them up it was great fun the red and green tissues the beautiful ribbons and the cunning stickers made things so pretty that you never thought of the bother but i will acknowledge that i tired of the flavour of the stickers which was asserted and clung i believe any stationary house would make a fortune if they manufactured christmas seals that tasted as nice as they looked i said so to s k one afternoon a few days before christmas he had come up and we were in the library amy was playing the victrola between going to the hall to inspect the packages which kept arriving so steadily evelyn was writing thank-you notes for things she hadn't received she said she always did because it saved the bother after christmas when parties were scheduled for almost every minute and that it was quite simple since all you had to do was to say your beautiful gift means so much to me and i shall always treasure it but amy told me one year aunt penelope mailed these before evelyn knew it and a lot of the thanked people hadn't come across naturally it was awkward and took a great deal of talented explaining but to go back to that afternoon s k said that's one thing you haven't tried glue and i knew he meant putting it in the bracelet box he smiled at me in a teasing way after that for even he didn't take me seriously then no i answered but i will or something better for leaving a trail it's a good idea i was really taken with it and decided upon red paint as i tied up a set of bridge scores that aunt penelope was going to send to a cousin of hers who lives miles from nowhere on a western farm then i attacked a lot of nut bowls and crackers that evelyn had got at a bargain from a gift shop 
amy tried to crack a peanut with the crackers and even its fragile shell was not dented but evelyn explained that it was the thought that counted personally i decided that the kind of thoughts one would have on using those things would count against you if heaven's gatekeeper were listening but i didn't say so got sixteen of those last christmas said s k i had planned to give you one i gasped and i really did it well my dear he said growing quite excited you know i was joking i should love having you give me one i'm simply a stupid fool that's all and and then i laughed and evelyn who had stopped writing to listen did too for she had helped me get my present for s k come here you humbug he ordered i came he reached up and pulled me down on the lounge beside him very hard what'll i do to her miss evelyn he asked as he frowned down on me evelyn said i was hopeless and that she thought nothing short of arsenic and a large dose of that would have any effect oh well we'll let her live a small while longer he temporized and i slipped my hand in his because i'm always a little sorry when i tease him although it is fun to do i tell you he went on we'll have bread and butter and that only with tea for a month then i won't come down and have tea with you i replied for i can get that kind of a hand out here so you slangy young thing i'm loved for my food he asked he looked quizzical but i thought he wondered and of course i told him i loved him for himself evelyn was amused which was silly of her because it was nothing to be flippant about shall i leave the room she asked in an attempt to be funny and then for the first time i realized that s k was not so much older than i after all and that perhaps he as well as other people might not understand he had seemed like uncle frank or bradley dear like someone who belonged to me and to whom i belonged i had adopted him into the family side of my heart because he had been so good to me and of course for the same reason i loved him but i wondered then whether my saying so sounded silly and it made me grow pink and look down but s k helped me out as he always does no he answered and i felt that he was looking at me and in a very kind way that is not the kind of love nat means hers has a sort of small girl open-air baseball flavor that is attractive but not right for a flirtation when she learns the other sort you may leave the room and quickly please evelyn laughed and went on scribbling i could see that her remark had been idle and that she thought s k s was too but i looked up s k was looking down at me and i felt frightened and very happy not quite hot but a little chilly and i began right then to know that i did care a great great deal for s k and that he cared for me i didn't need the thing he blurted out in a whisper to be sure for his eyes had said it what sounded as if it were shaken from him was my dearest and it came as a question and after it he bit his lips grew slowly red and looked away i knew he was sorry he had spoken and i was sorry too for it frightened me because i did not know what to do i got up and began to wrap up christmas things and s k did not watch me as he usually does but looked into the fire thought you were going to punish her said evelyn in that level voice which people use when they are riding hard or playing the piano softly decided it was futile he answered and i saw that he was upset too for he spoke stiffly and then after refusing tea and making a light mention of an engagement he left and i went on wrapping up packages but my hands shook why didn't you see him out evelyn asked i replied that ito was in the hall and that i didn't see any reason for doing so then amy came in and said that herbert was coming and that meant that she and i had to get out for ever since that afternoon that i bumped into him while attempting to walk he and evelyn have been discussing inner draperies and how to keep cooks and the right proportion for a rent and where to live for they got engaged that day amy told me about it she said it was dramatic and exceedingly interesting but that they ordered all her off just when she most wanted to stay it seemed he bolted in the room and two feet from evelyn paused amy said he was absolutely white and spoke in a deep shaken voice she really described it beautifully he said you have been ill 
and she said oh herbert and began to cry then she stretched a hand out to him and he put his arms around her and said my darling and amy who had been sitting in a high-backed italian chair naturally got up to look over it and then evelyn ordered her off she whispered please amy go and amy felt that she had to but she was annoyed at evelyn for she wasn't bothering anyone and she said it was better than movies or the theatre for she knew the principal characters and she said that they were acting wonderfully but to go back after i left them that afternoon i went to my room amy had to do some telephoning and stopped outside of the library door to do it she said she liked that telephone better but i think she did it because it annoys evelyn of course the most loving sisters occasionally positively work to think up ways of annoying one another it belongs to them just as much as does taking each other's clothes or borrowing hats in my room i sat down by the window and i did not like the lights i wanted to think and in the half-light it seemed easier for the sort of reverie in which i was going to indulge for if you can understand it i was frightened i loved s k i knew that but i didn't want to plan a house as evelyn and herbert were and to have people go off to leave us alone to do it sometimes herbert kisses evelyn when they are alone and i am quite sure of it for i heard evelyn say don't dear someone is coming as i came in one day and amy assured me that that was part of being engaged i can't quite explain because i am stupid about making words carry my thoughts but at that moment i very much wanted to be back in queensburg playing ball walking or riding i wanted willie really to say come out and play catch nat and not to be worried about things that loomed ahead things that i was afraid must come before i was ready for them but curiously with all that fear i had that happy but sad and lovely but hurting sensation that neither bradley dear nor uncle frank had ever had i think my mother would have understood it and i know she could have helped me i tried to shut my eyes and pretend she could talk to me but it only left me a little choked and wanting her fearfully i think perhaps if she had been there that i would have put my head down on her shoulder and cried although i never do cry and that she would have said my dear little girl my baby which is strange since i cannot remember a word of hers and possibly she never did call me my dear little girl or my baby after a while amy came rustling in to show me our new frock and made a good deal of noise and turned on all the lights which helped me and then i got dressed for the evening and we heard uncle archie come in i'm going to take evelyn's place with him amy said piously as she looked at her back in a shovel glass evelyn has absorbed all his attention recently but i'm going to cut her out i think he's a dear i agreed with her and i think it looks so sweet to see a father and daughter devotedly attached said amy again i agreed and loudly for i thought uncle archie would be pleased by her paying him attention as he was by evelyn's doing so and i knew that amy had to limelight herself before she enjoyed doing anything kind she had to occupy the centre of the stage she's built that way that is really the reason she confessed about the violets but that comes later there were guests at dinner and ito spilled soup but otherwise it was uneventful and afterward amy went out to a little party to which i had not been asked evelyn went out with mr apthorpe aunt and her guests played cards in the living-room and i went to mine again to write letters i thought writing to uncle frank would help me but it didn't i knew that if i had wanted advice he probably would tell me how long a grasshopper woos its mate before marriage instead of talking to me about mine i love him but his soul is steeped in bugs the person i wanted to ask help from was s k but doing so seemed odd under the circumstances and i heard a noise a funny noise i got up and turned off my light and waited after a few moments i heard a scrape on the side of the building and i turned on the electric suddenly at that something slid down against the outside wall i heard it whatever it was had slipped down the side of the house scraping all the way i again turned out the lights and going to the window peered out in the dim light of the court seeing was difficult but i did manage to make out a black mass on s k s balcony 
and then i heard a window slide up and this disappeared and without picking up a scarf or a wrap i hurried out ran down the balcony until i reached the fire escapes which are in front of the main hall windows and are always well illuminated by them i ran down these and it seemed like old times for the going was not steady of course the rear was just a rod the building was high and the steps steep i realized that new york had tamed me for by the time i reached s k s window i was glad to stop here i kicked a hole through the window-pane knocked out the glass and entered s k s man was evidently washing up things for he came toward me with a towel and a glass in one hand panting a little i told him i'd seen a man go in the office window s k has a sort of office in the room that corresponds to mine in his apartment debson immediately put down the glass told me to be quiet settled his shoulders and began the hunt he was brave but i could see that he was frightened for he was white he whispered a direction for me to the library and there i went i tiptoed quite naturally and s k was surprised to see me nat he gasped and then he stopped for i gestured for silence just as hard as i could to make a long story short there was no one and i suppose both those men thought i was crazy and s k had to get a new glass for that window i kicked in but he was nice about that i did see someone come in here i said lamely did you hear anything debson s k asked debson shook his head not since maggie left at least sir he qualified she went to the balcony to shake a duster i think sir although i am not sure that was probably it said s k he dismissed debson and then said sit down nat and i did then he told me that he thought it was fine and brave of me and that he appreciated it although my going without a wrap worried him and my paul revering it down a fire-escape was a dangerous practice for night or any other time for that matter and i promised him i wouldn't do it again unless there was a fire and s k said nat can you stay a little while i want to talk to you i said i could and he asked me to come over and sit by him on a wide devonport which stands before his big fireplace i'm sorry he said that you know it because i didn't mean to tell you oh that's all right i answered although it wasn't i was frightened and happy all over again and my heart was pumping fearfully no he answered it is not all right it is all wrong you are seventeen and two or three good time three years are ahead of you must be ahead of you i wouldn't for the world disturb your peace make you think of anything that would turn you older i love having you frankly friendly treating me as a chum i am afraid i've spoiled things i said he hadn't although he really had but you were disturbed by the way i looked at you he went on what i said i didn't mean to nat it shot out i was weak at that moment but i promise i won't be again i assure you you needn't be worried about it he ended stiffly i will never bother you with it in fact now it would be as unsatisfactory to me as it would be to you that was a very cool statement for s k i didn't understand it and it hurt and that and the feeling that perhaps our tight friendship was gone made me ache then i looked at him and saw that he felt badly too he smiled as our eyes met but not happily i had planned this very differently he said we were going to be better friends all the time you know and then one day when you were several years older and a little tired of a world that held only parties and fluffy frocks i would tell you that i had liked you ever since you were a school-going youngster and i liked to dream that you would find that i had come to mean something in your heart and that and then s k stopped abruptly and said nat i shouldn't be allowed loose i said oh yes you should s k and i found the greatest cure for a heartache and that is finding someone you love suffering from the same thing i immediately quite forgot mine and thought of s k s and i did something then that sounds silly but which wasn't and didn't seem so at the time i moved closer to s k and rested my cheek against his coat sleeve he fumbled for my hand and when he found it i squeezed his hard he said i was a ripping little pal and his voice was not awfully steady and so i think he really thought so and in that position where i did not have to meet his eyes 
and yet where i was strengthened by his touch for it did strengthen me i told him how i felt s k dear i whispered i want some more baseball and not to have to think of love and such stuff i know dear he answered and then i said this afternoon i felt as i did before i did my first really high dive wasn't that silly for there's nothing to be frightened about not a thing dear he replied and then i told him about wanting my mother and the garden and how it made me feel and that i had felt that way when i began to realize that afternoon how much i cared for him and then he sat up suddenly and i did too care he echoed oh my dear child i said of course a clock somewhere struck ten and i stood up you're only seventeen said s k and somewhat wistfully i knew why he said it. he was afraid my feeling for him was what amy would call a case but it wasn't i knew that even then true i agreed and smiled up at him he drew a long breath starting to speak stopped quickly and went to hunt a mandarin coat for me to wear going upstairs since the halls were draughty he helped me into it made me go over and look at myself in a long glass called me miss to sing and then said the last word about what had happened that is the last word about it for a good while pals again he asked i put out my hand and we shook hard truly i answered and then we went upward why couldn't we drive down fifth avenue to-morrow afternoon he asked as we paused in our outer hall the excitement would be interesting to look at with everything at its height i said i thought it would be fine we might go in to mary elizabeth's he went on i'll telephone her to beat up some extra waffle batter that is if you think you can go he was teasing me and it was just like old times i didn't feel at all as i had before i went down and it was silly of me to feel that way anyway for he is s k and i should have known that he wouldn't or couldn't hurt me i went to sleep slept well and was untroubled by noises when i got up the next morning aunt penelope said thank heaven you look as if you felt well i'll need your help this will be an awful day it always is there are so many things to do that i don't know where to start ito was that the bell yes it was what was it and then she stopped and i looked up and gave a little cry for uncle frank stood in the doorway peering over his glasses at me and blinking ho hum he said couldn't keep away couldn't keep away ho hum i didn't speak i only hugged him End of chapter nineteen